how'd you go from fashion to like kind of learning about video production, graphic design, Microsoft products to where you are now? I always tell people kind of my my slogan is I have a passion for fashion, but fell in love with tech along the way. Welcome to the Tech Queens podcast, a podcast focused on featuring the stories and advice from women of color in tech. In this episode, I'm talking with Napia Nabuya, IT professional, founder, diversity advocate, and all-around it girl. How are you doing, Napia? I'm good, Francis. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. Happy Friday. You excited for the new Lion King movie? I am. I'm so excited. I've already listened to the soundtrack and I am hyped to go see it. Oh, the soundtrack. Yeah, I need to look into that as well. Um, I'm, I'm really excited, too. I'm hoping maybe not this weekend because it's going to be, you know, super right, crowded. Right. Um, <laughs> maybe like two weeks from now, I'm going to go check it out for right, sure. It's right. During like the amazing. Day, there's no kids there as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those kids. <laughs> OK, so let's jump right into it. What's your story, Napia? My story, well, I love that question because I feel like my story is being written every day. So I like, I call it my chapters until, you know, the day I leave this earth, like my full story will be told. So my chapters, a little bit about me. I'm a South Carolina native, uh, born in Charleston, South Carolina, raised in a small town right outside of Charleston called Somerville, South Carolina. What introduced me to technology? Um, so I come from more of a non-traditional family. My um, my parents were not in tech. So I kind of fell into tech on my own. Um, I was first introduced, my I want to say my junior year in high school, junior between sophomore and junior year in high school, my school would allow for students to take half a days and go to a career school. And that career school allowed me to see different technology concepts. Um, and I enrolled in a class called Computer Video and Graphics. And that class basically exposed me to so many different things. Um, that class first got me interested in learning more about Microsoft products. We learned about graphic design, video production, and coding all within a year. Um, and it interests me so much that by graduation, I already had a certificate of completion and I knew that I wanted to go to college for technology to continue learning about this industry and to, and to study computer science. Wow, that's amazing. And do you feel like you would still have been able to get into tech if your high school didn't offer that program? Honestly, no. Um, my passion during that time was really wrapped around uh, fashion. So technology was, you know, just something I graduated high school over 10 years ago. So uh, technology wasn't really that big back then. You know, graphic mm-hmm. design wasn't really big. The biggest things were, you know, Microsoft um, Office products. And, you know, we were still using dial up sometimes. So nothing <laughs> was really that big back then. Um, so if it wasn't for um, me, me being able to access that career school, I don't think I would be in technology now. Mm, it's interesting and kind of unfortunate how schools can like determine that right for people. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We do need like more tech people like kind of advocating for the field just because there's so much opportunity and wealth generation, I think. The endless solutions um, that I was being exposed to is what Mm -hmm. inspired me the most. Um, It was all surrounded around problem solving. Uh, What I love about technology the most is it's an industry that overlaps with other industries and that is consistently evolving with the world. So in order to create easier and faster solutions. So I definitely wanted to be a part of that. 
No, for sure. And I want to tie back in to what you said earlier. So Microsoft products, what does that actually entail? Was it just like the office suite? Yeah, just office suite. So, you know, your basics, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, project, just different things like that. So we learned how to create thorough PowerPoint presentations, how to create audio and video and place those in PowerPoint presentations. We learned how to add graphics, um, edit graphics. So it was very very detailed. So I really liked learning more about Microsoft. And I mean, Microsoft is still prominent to this day. So it really helped Mm -hmm. me a lot. And you also mentioned that you were initially interested in fashion at the time. So how did you go from fashion to like kind of learning about video production, graphic design, Microsoft products to where you are now? Why do you feel like fashion was maybe less appealing? I would say the requirements to get in fashion are a little bit more detailed than getting into another industry. One thing I would say you would have to have a lot of experience prior to getting into fashion in order to excel in fashion. So, you know, having a lot of retail experience, have you interned with, you know, high fashion designers? Have you been in boutiques? Have you worked for big, you know, just different things like that. And I think with my mom, it was more so we need something that's guaranteed Mm. more than anything. So um, that's why I would say, and she she paid for school for me as well. So that was Mm -hmm. a big thing. So passion for fashion, fell in love with tech along the way. I love fashion. I grew up in a household with my mom being a seamstress. My aunt was a seamstress as well. So I was always surrounded about around colors and different patterns and different styles of clothing. And that just made me so intrigued to want to learn more. But I think I fell in love with technology with more of the problem solving behind it. Fashion is something that I'm still passionate about. I love, you know, working, doing fashion projects on the side. But I think it was more challenging for me to be in technology. And I liked that I was challenged. I didn't want to do something that I was very good at. You know, it's hard. It's easy to go into something instead Mm -hmm. of being challenged. So every day, when I was in college and would take class, I was challenged every day. It wasn't walking in, oh my God, this is easy. I'm not challenged. Um, so I think I love the challenge of um, technology a little bit more than fashion, but still wanted to keep fashion in my back pocket and somehow integrate the two. Yeah, I think that's really admirable because I think there's this narrative that like anything tech is like kind of difficult and that if you don't have you know the background uh, you're 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 gonna struggle a lot like you know so it's kind of interesting that you say like yeah I was like looking forward to that challenge and I wanted that challenge for myself um because I don't know if like most folks think of it that way so that's really interesting this kind of ties into sort of my next question which is how exactly like after high school did you sort of become like get to where you are today? Like, was it just a formal path? Absolutely not. Um, (laughs) So I graduated high school, um, went straight into college um, and declared my major as computer science right off the bat. Um, What Mm -hmm. they don't tell you in high school, um, which they probably do now, you know, times has changed from 10 Mm -hmm. years ago, but the math that is required in computer science, um, a lot of people just think, completely technology, but don't think about the math behind it. I was Mm -hmm. one of those people. Um, 
And I was so bombarded with the math um, as soon as I got in in my freshman year of college. So I decided, you know, this is what I want to do. So I had to learn how to be able to problem solve so much more than I've ever done in my life before. Um, And then I realized that the math was getting to be too much. So I had to make a conscious decision. Like, I still want to get a computer science degree, but is there an alternative to taking all these math classes? Because math was, you know, seemingly on the same line as like being an engineer, you know, engineers, they take a lot of math classes as well. So I went to my advisor one day and I was just like, I love technology. I love computer science. Like what is an alternative for me to still get my computer science degree, but not take as many math classes. Mm -hmm. So she, um, the college I went to, they had a great program that allowed um, computer science to be split between a bachelor of arts and a bachelor of science. And the only difference was instead of the high end math classes, they were replaced with business classes. Um, So I switched my major. I want to say that was probably my end of my sophomore going into my junior year of college. Um, Mm -hmm. I was so relieved. I felt more, I felt reassured again um, that Mm -hmm. I was able to get my degree. I was able to accomplish, you know, getting into the technology industry. And those business classes helped me a lot present day. Um, I took, you know, marketing, management, um, nonprofit organization, just different things like that, that I'm actually utilizing today also with technology. Mm-hmm. You know, funnily enough, I actually had an interviewee in a past episode called Anisha Carter and she, she actually told me that exact similar story. Um, she also majored in computer information systems with, at Hampton University, which is where, you know, I also went to school. Oh, cool. And she actually told me, you know, like, it was really nice for her to not have to take those high-end math classes and instead have those business classes, which to this day still actually help her in her role as a product manager right. as a, at a fintech company. Right. So I thought that's really, I, I thought that was really interesting. So I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, share that as well. Right. Um, related to fashion again, actually, I wanted to ask, what do you do outside of work as an IT admin? So my three passion areas are fashion, tech, and wellness. So with fashion, um, I love to do uh, image consulting and image brand building. Um, I love to meet people one-on-one and understand, you know, not based on what they want to look like, but internally, how can your personality show from the outside? Um, I never like to tell people that you know, your clothes make you, you make your clothes um, and you can put on a garbage bag and wear it with confidence. Um, It's all about how you feel on the inside and that just reflects the outside. So being personal uh, consultants and helping people style for big events, um, doing closet rebranding and just making people feel good about themselves through clothing. My other area is technology. I'm the founder of a nonprofit organization called The Next It Girl or The Next IT Girl, either one. Um, (laughs) We are mission to bridge the gap of race and gender in the technology industry by providing technical resources to girls of color ages 8 to 22. Um, That is my baby. Um, I started that organization back in 2015. Um, Based off my life, honestly, um, all the different hardships I went through to get to where I am in the tech industry, from college to getting my first job to internships, just all of those things that were hardships for me. I want it to be a bridge connector for another young girl of color to not have to go through any of that to make it more 
accessible for her to get into the tech industry. Um, so we currently have three chapters uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, Atlanta, Georgia, and we are just launching one in Charleston, South Carolina in August. And what we do is we work in inner cities, go into communities and basically have technical workshops and expose girls to technology concepts. Um, my last one is wellness. Um, I got into wellness maybe six or seven years ago. Um, I've been doing yoga for a long time now um, and decided to expand outside of yoga um, when I started realizing that my body was not adapting to certain foods like it used to. Um, one of those being dairy restrictions. Um, so I'm very cautious about, you know, my dairy intake now um, and seeing the effect that it's had on my body since I've stopped um, taking, you know, intake in dairy. Um, so promoting wellness in, in a positive way, uh, that term is kind of thrown around as the millennial term now. I think wellness is basically what you make it. Wellness is not a universal thing. It's catered to people individually. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. Um, so helping people understand, you know, what does wellness mean to you? Does that mean you juicing more during the week? Is that you eating more veggies? Is that you understanding that you have a, um, a, a dairy intolerance. So just different things like that and being um, being more aware of your body and what makes your body happy at the end of the day. Wow. First of all, hugely impressed by just like how aware you are of like what your passions are, where they lie. And like just there's so much going on there and I have a lot of follow up questions. <laughs> so the first one being fashion, right? Feeling good about like what you're wearing. So I had a past interviewee on the podcast talking about how when she first got into tech, because everyone around her was wearing hoodies, jeans, you know, the basic shirt, she didn't feel as comfortable like wearing like these really feminine dresses that she used to like always wear, you know, before she really got into tech. Right. And I'm wondering like, what's your take on that? Because I feel like that is something that I have gone through personally, like maybe, and maybe I've already played into that because now I kind of do kind of wear hoodies all the time and like sweatpants. I'm like always looking just super comfortable, <laughs> maybe even like a bomb when I go into work. <laughs> and I want, <laughs> and I, it's like unfortunate, right? Like why does right. the narrative have to be that way? And so I'm curious as to like what your take on that is. I, 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 I feel a couple of ways about it because I have those moments as well, you know, where it's just like, I'm not feeling it today. You know, I had a late night. Let me just throw in a hoodie, sweats and, you know, go about, you know, my day. Mm -hmm. But I think about how technology uh, in the technology industry, um, a lot of businesses are going to that. We want you to feel comfortable phase um, in terms of, you know, bringing couches, bringing video games, bringing like full kitchens um, to the workplace. And I feel like that's, I don't want to say a gimmick, but an open invite for you to feel comfortable, but stay for a long time, if that makes any sense. So it's kind of like, we want you to feel at home so you don't have to go home. <laughs> so I've always oh, right. like that. So I remember when I took my first job in, in the tech industry and I came in, you know, fully dressed and had on heels. And this is when I um, I was doing um, IT help desk um, administrative work. 
And mm-hmm. they were like, well, how are you going to climb on a ladder and get into the ceiling and work with network cables with heels on? And I was like, I'm going to make it happen. Um, <laughs> they were so surprised. And I thought it was hilarious. You know, every day I would come in and, you know, be dressed and, you know, still have makeup on, have my hair done, my nails done and everything. And all of my colleagues were older white men. I was the only female and, of course, the only black woman. Um, Mm -hmm. And they had like leather sneakers and dad jeans and, you know, T-shirts from like 30 years ago. (laughs) Like, and I helped dress too. And we would go back and forth, you know, like every day talking about it. And And I never took it in an offensive way, but it just surprised them that I never folded, you know, um, and like, like I said earlier, like style is an expression of who you are. Um, and yes, I, like I said, I do have those days where I'm just like, this, this ain't it. And I'm <laughs> a hoodie on, but I feel like your style says a lot about who you are before you even open your mouth. So, and I think your style is inviting as well. So like, if I'm going to work with a hoodie on and sneakers, that's saying, don't bother me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't want to be talked to but you know if I have on my best dress and I look good and I feel good I feel like that's all a reflection of what I have on as well so I kind of dibble and dab- dabble back and forth with you know tech companies saying come as you are you know I've, I've worked at a company where you know flip-flops were appropriate and I'm just like where's the professionalism in that <laughs> so, I, I, uh, with yeah. it I love like like casual Fridays, but like a full five days a week type of thing. I'm just like, eh, I don't know if I'm I'm too fond of that. But I definitely, um, I definitely side on both sides of that. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like there are, I guess, in society in general, different standards for like how men show up to work and how women show up to work. Right. So yeah, I think that's interesting. And there is this guy, I will say, <laughs> that does wear flip flops. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, everyone knows him too. It's kind of funny. <laughs> okay, so next question. Regarding the It Girl nonprofit that you started, first of all, that's amazing. Kudos thank to you. you. Thank like you, thank like you. being able to start your own nonprofit, especially a nonprofit that specifically is trying to help women of color like have less barriers to access when it comes to, you know, technical resources. I think that's really amazing and I just I 100% support that so thank you I before I tie you know this question in I will say like I'm helping with something similar so there's this nonprofit called Tequeria and it's for Latinx and tech specifically Um, and we recognize the same as like it girl that there are these huge barriers like at every point in your career path in tech whether it's like high school college your first job entrepreneurship in the future, whatever, like promotions, we recognize that there are like clear, like obstacles every step of the way. And so our, like one of our big goals is to try and like, again, remove those barriers and make it more accessible for like Latinx and tech to collaborate together and like just grow together, right. As a community. Right. right. Um, so I think that is like somewhat similar, but I want to go into sort of your story of how, first of all, you started it girl what was the hardest part about starting it girl and what specifically because you talked about challenges you decided to start it girl because of those challenges you faced could you elaborate more on that and then again like how you started it girl in the first place Absolutely. So before the next It Girl, the nonprofit was established. I self-proclaimed myself the next It Girl um, just because of my love of fashion um, for so long in technology. 
Um, so my definition um, of the next it girl or an it girl is a trendsetter in fashion and lifestyle, a woman who has self-confidence and worth that sets the example of how to manage it all and looks good doing it, right? And she isn't afraid to be herself and never follows the latest trends, um, instead creates them through her unique and impeccable sense of style. And somebody who knows exactly what she wants and, you know, isn't afraid to go after it and has just a great spirit. And when I started the nonprofit, I wanted that same sense of my idea of that as fashion to reflect on that in the tech industry as well. Um, So why I started it. um, So back in 2015, I just took like the biggest leap of my life. I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana from Charleston, South Carolina, where I spent my entire life. Um, So I never left South Carolina before I took this move to Indianapolis. And the move was to get my foot in the tech industry. So I took my first job in 2015 in the tech industry as a data analyst. So um, I, I left my comfort zone. I left all the friends I've known my whole entire life to move halfway across the country for a job, right? To get my mm-hmm. foot in the door. Um, and I didn't think twice about it. <laughs> I, I knew it was for me um, because when I graduated, I tell people this story all the time. I'm such a visual person. I have to write things down. I have like notebooks all over my my apartment. Um, I just have to keep notes and I have to put dates and I have to track like, oh, I said this on this day, this happened, you know, like, thank you, God, like, this happened, <laughs> different things like that. And I mm-hmm. think that uh, when I graduated college, like, my only goal when I graduated college was to get in my career field. I didn't care about anything else. I was just like, my professor said I'm going to be making six figures, so six figures is what I'm looking <laughs> for. Um, and that was my goal, so I put a date on that. And um, when I got this call to move to Indianapolis, um, they sent me a plane ticket and it was the same day I wrote those lists of goals down a year later. So I was like, God, mm. like, is this me? I felt like that was God. Like, girl, you got to go halfway across <laughs> for your purpose. I was like, why? Like, I love the South. Um, and I, I just felt like, like that was my confirmation. It was right. So, um, I packed up everything. I moved halfway across the, the country a month later after getting, um, that offer letter. So when I got there, you know, I'm starting in this tech company. It's an amazing company. Um, and you know, when I went to interview, I saw a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, but a few women of color there. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, it's a diverse company. This is awesome. And then the first day I started, I didn't see any of them <laughs> the engineering and technology department. I was like, well, right. where are these women? They mm-hmm. were in marketing. They were in sales. They were in finance. Yep. They were everywhere except where mm-hmm. I was getting ready to start. So that was that kind of blew me away. Um, And the reason that blew me away, I went to a college that had a very, very small population. So I think altogether like 3,500. So super small private school in South Carolina. And Mm. the computer science department, even smaller. So altogether, I would say it was six people of color the all the years I was there that were in computer science. And that's male and female. So um, that and I just always said to myself as I was going through college um, that, you know, it's just this school. The school is small, you know. It's not a lot of people that go here, so it's going to be better, you know, in the real world, right? In the technology industry. And boy, was I wrong. It was, <laughs> like I, it was more representation when I was in college. 
Um, oh, and so what what even made it worse was I only had one female f- professor the the five years I was there. So that was kind of hard to to relate to somebody um, when, you know, she's only there part time as well. All of my professors were male. And one of the biggest things that, you know, motivated me and kept me going was one of my male professors. Um, side note, my hardest class was data structures in college. I, mm-hmm. ugh, I that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> so that class, I repeated twice. And on the third time, um, it was basically my last semester of college. I needed that class to graduate. And it was only one professor that taught that class. And I just told him straight to his face, like, I refuse to take this class with you again. Like, clearly you're not... I, I just can't with you. So I went to the, <laughs> I went to the dean of students and I told the dean, I was just like, I refuse to, you know, sit through that again. You know, I have one semester left and I just won't do it. So the dean of students allowed me to take the class at another college and be able to transfer that credit back. Um, and then I was able to graduate through summer school. And that was something I was just willing to do um, because I just did not want to sit in, you know, his class again and have to deal with him a third time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that experience going through college, um, having to sit out a semester, repeating classes, uh, not having a support system, lack of representation, then going into the the tech industry and not seeing any representation at all all led to the creation of the next It Girl and what kind of set in my heart to like, okay, this is something that is needed. This is something you have to start. Um, I had an intern come up to me one day. This was like within the first two months um, after I started this job. And, you know, she heard my story from another colleague and was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm still in high school. I want to study comp sci and like, I want to hear about your pros and your cons. And I think it's great that you moved, you know, from your hometown to come and pursue, you know, your career. What turned, I thought would turn into like a 10 minute conversation ended up being an hour long of me mm-hmm. with um, this intern just having a conversation about, you know, everything I just said and, um, you know, just being encouraging of her. Like, we need more girls uh, that look like you in the tech industry. So after that conversation, I had no desire prior to that conversation to start a business, to start a nonprofit organization. My goal as a millennial girl um, making great money <laughs> to get a fashion blog started, the next It Girl started. Um, but I had no motivation to take pictures. I didn't even have a website up yet. I was just like, God, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I was kind of at that moment where I was just like, you know, all my friends are starting businesses. Like, what? Like, what is my purpose? Like, what am I here to do? So mm-hmm. after that conversation with that intern, I was really like, this is needed. Like, this is really something that a lot of people are not pursuing because they just don't know. And that's a problem. Um, And I think about, you know, what if somebody would have had an organization similar to this when I was in college or even in high school, how further along I would be in my career now. And then it reminds me of a quote I heard um, a preacher say a couple of months back that somebody somewhere is waiting on you to be obedient in what God told you to do in order for them to be successful. So Mm -hmm. that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was just like, okay. 
So after that, I was like, okay, I got to scrap this idea of um, doing a fashion blog, but I still love the play on words, the next it girl. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, it coincides with, you know, girls, you know, being that it girl, that it girl factor, um, being the next hottest thing, you know, the girl to look out for. And also IT, uh, play on IT with um, these are girls to pursue uh, IT careers. Um, and that's how the next it girl was started. Sorry, that's completely long winded, but that's how it started. And it basically, no, that's amazing. And it basically kind of just took off from there. Um, I, you know, people always say I had no idea that, you know, I never wanted to do, I had no idea I'd be doing this now. That is definitely my story. Um, like I said, I had no intentions of doing a, starting an organization, a business around technology. Um, It's just something that I saw a need for and ran after it. Are you the only person in charge right now? Yes, I am the CEO and founder. Oh my gosh, that that is amazing. I mean, I was just like nodding my head the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Let me not forget my team. I have an amazing team um, of board of directors. I have amazing Mm -hmm. chapter leaders in, um, in each city that literally lift me up. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew it was with certain areas I had weaknesses in and I needed to bring on a team that had strength in those areas. So I I may hold those titles, but please believe me, there is a team of people behind behind me that or not even behind me on the side of me that are um, right there pushing this organization for it. No, of course. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, like, what's your long term vision for the next it girl? Like, let's say 10 years down the line, where do you want it to be? (sighs) I want it to be in the school system. That is my ultimate goal because that's where technology is lacking most. It's great to be in the communities and to do stuff on the weekends, you know, Saturday mornings host like two hour workshops, but these girls aren't getting that Monday through Friday, you know, seven to two, seven to three, whatever their school time is. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the biggest impact lies. Um, I, I have countless conversations with parents about, can we do this as like a full time thing? And I'm like, oh, but we still got full time jobs. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a, and I had to tell people like, I'm a part time entrepreneur. Like I have not taken that full leap yet. Um, Because I just think there's still so much more I need to learn in the tech industry. And what I love about still being an IT professional, every day I go to work, I take so many ideas from from my job and put that back into my business. I do the exact same thing. And I completely resonate with like wanting to do so much more like for the nonprofit that I work with, but also recognizing like there's still limited bandwidth and there's not like anyone working on it full-time because we're like all a group of volunteers. We have our full-time jobs. Um, So yeah, I completely resonate with that. I mean, it's like, it's really hard sometimes, but because there's so much passion for it, you Mm kind of want to do it in all your free time, but then you got to also look out for yourself because you can't just like you know, spend your entire weekend like working on it because exactly. I mean, that's just not healthy. Um, but I've done that. And it's like, oh, I need, yeah. So I learned I from that pretty the hard way. And then you feel bad when you don't. So it's, yeah, exactly. Be, honestly, I have to tell myself sometime like, okay, you have to walk away from this at some point and work on other things. So mm-hmm. um, I kind of, I launched my personal brand like earlier or not earlier this year, but a few months ago in mm-hmm. order to still have that passion area, but do it in another, 
kind of stream of income area because I was just like, oh my God, you know, this is taking a lot of my time. But, you know, if I haven't committed to doing it full time, I have to, you know, treat it like it's a part time job. Like, only devote 15 hours to this this week. You know, you got to spend 20 hours doing something else. So, but I, you know, I found myself at one point, you know, beating myself up if I wasn't spending a lot of time with it. So I've had to learn how to, you know, be okay with, you know, walking away, you know, taking sabbaticals sometimes. So like the last two months has been completely summer workshops. So I am looking forward to August to taking like a month sabbatical off because we've just been having workshop after workshop, which is amazing, but it's so time consuming. No doubt. And I mean, like you saying, you know, 15 hours, then on top of 40 hours, just like, (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot. Um, But that kind of that does kind of tie into like, my other question. So you said your third passion is around wellness. Yes. Is that kind of what you do to like de-stress, you know, and like take a mental health checkout day, like, you know, since you have so much else going on or how does that tie in? Absolutely. So wellness is my decompress. I love yoga. Yoga was introduced to me. I kind of fell into yoga as well. Like I I think I'm, that's kind of like my, my niche. I fall into things and then fall in love with it. Um, so wellness, uh, my mom got a YMCA membership like years ago and they were doing free yoga classes with the membership. And I just kind of dropped in one day, um, because it was like right before like a cardio class or something like that. And I always told myself, and you know how we can, you know, throw that imposter syndrome in and kind of psych ourselves out. I was like, I'm not flexible. Um, I only ever ran track and, you know, that's what I was good at. And I was like, I'm only really good at running. Um, And I was just like, I'm not flexible. So I went in there one day and was completely amazed by like my body and the different things that it could do. So like I never (laughs) turned back from it um, and just seeing how my body has progressed over the years. Um, And I was just like, I am flexible. And like, you know, just looking at pictures, you know, when I take pictures of doing new poses or learning new poses, I'm like, I am really doing this. So, you know, ultimately my goal is to um, get my yoga certification um, to practice, bring awareness to more um, so that more. That's another very um, underrepresented field for people of color as well. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I want to bring awareness that this is, you know, something you don't have to be flexible at. You don't have to already have like a whole bunch of prerequisites to even go to a beginner class, but just bring awareness that this is, first of all, very, um, peaceful, right? This is a very good decompress as well as, um, a very good stretch and exercise as well. Um, and everybody's body is not the same. You won't be able to do a complete headstand or different things like that. Um, there are a whole bunch of improvisions, but you can definitely um, partake in this amazing um, feel area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be actually a common pattern I'm noticing is that you, you're you in these fields or you enter these fields um, and you notice that there's like not a lot of people of color present. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, and then you, you first talked about that, like, back in college when there was only like six people of color, um, right? Like studying computer science or like, you know, that sort of thing. Was it like a, like that, that college you went to, was it mostly white people then? Like what were the demographics? (laughs) It was, um, it was, percentage wise, I would say 70% white and 
the rest of minority, and I'm I'm really giving leeway, saving seventy percent. Um, so I would wow. I would say seven seventy seventy five percent um white, and then the rest minorities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is something I actually I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't experience as much. I went to a historically black like uh, university, Hampton okay. University for undergrad. And so everyone was like a person of color, like, you know, in my, in my computer science department, there was like a good number of us. But then when I went to grad school, that was a completely different story. And then I could count the number of like, you know, brown and black people like in my, you know, with my two hands, it was mostly international folks, which, you know, also can identify as people of color, but like, for the most part, it was like not people from the U S and like was majority white. So I think that's really interesting. Um, So what the the biggest thing for me was after graduating college, I did a year at a HBCU and Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. Right. Seeing the representation, seeing us and not feeling out of place. Um, Mm -hmm. The comp side department was all people that looked like me, male and female. um, So it was great. And then when I transferred after my first year and went to a PWI, predominantly white institution, Mm -hmm. I was just completely like... culture shock like yeah great year of you know swag surfing and you know obama became president in 08 like that was a a air like that was a moment to be at a historically black college when president Mm -hmm. obama was elected in in 08 so that was great and then coming to a college where you know it was very dry you know it was also um um you know, a private school and it was very small. I didn't even stay on campus. I commuted to to class every day. And I mean, it was such a big culture shock. And I think, you know, it took me, took me back to a place where it was like, woo, like we really come from two different worlds. And this is, this is an institution that is basically saying like, this is what we have to offer, take it or not type of thing. Um, so it was mm-hmm. a, such a big culture shock for me. Um, like I said, I found myself um, having to refocus and get out of the the mindset that I was like there to enjoy college, but it was more about education than anything. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing I missed when I transferred is that I actually stopped enjoying college, enjoying college so much than I did the year prior. Damn. Wow. That's, that's really deep. Like not not feeling like you can enjoy college because it's just that like severe lack of representation. It was bad. Wow. That's such a bummer. Um, That is kind of related. Like we can transition to sort of this heavier topic too, about like specifically as a minority woman in the tech industry, you've talked about this challenge of like lack of representation. What other obstacles have you faced either trying to get into the tech industry through like college or like already being in the tech industry? Oh, I think I can talk more about what I faced the last four years of being in mm-hmm. the tech industry. Um, one that's come up recently and um, a lot is imposter syndrome and being vocal. Um, I kind of, and I will say, well, for me personally, I got really complacent for a moment um, where I was kind of just like on this wave of like, okay, my colleagues like me, 
Um, you know, I'm doing what I, I want to do in the tech industry. You know, I have my, you know, side business going and then boom, like the tech industry kind of shifted. And mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, I have to learn new things now. Like, okay, this, this new type of technology is coming out. Okay. Now I have to keep up. Um, so imposter syndrome kind of set in because I kind of already programmed my mind to know one type of thing. And then I was like, oh, I don't think I can learn this new thing in order to kind of advance or, you know, get this promotion. Um, So I started psyching myself out really early. Um, And, you know, one thing I... I love when I go to like networking events and different things now is meeting women of color in tech who have been in the industry for 20 years and they laugh at us millennials. Like, we have problems. they're like, girl, like, bye. This is not even an issue. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. What are you talking about? And that brings me back to reality every time. Um, anytime I meet um, a, a woman of color who's been in the in, in STEM in general for 20 plus years. And just to think about what they went through 15 years ago. And we're talking about, you know, us being in the industry, not even five years yet. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So just getting motivation and, um, you know, reassurance from them, like, you know, they're sweet, C-suite level at this point. But, you know, just saying all the hardships they went through, like tech is just a industry that you have to be an avid learner. So that's one thing I had to learn early on. Um, another is being vocal. Um, mm-hmm. I can think of an experience. Um, so after being the only woman uh, in my IT department for, I want to say, a, two years, probably two years, we finally hired someone else um, who was very vocal. And she reminded me of, you know, what it, the guy's girl more so. So she related with my colleagues more on, she watched Star Wars more. She played Pokemon. Oh, gotcha. Was a gamer, you know, different things like that. And here's this right. country girl um, from South Carolina that's like Pokemon. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to watch and keep up on fashion trends and different things like that. So um, one thing, you know, an older woman of color in, in STEM taught me, it was like, Sometimes you just have to play the part. So I had to learn how to play the part. And she's like, if you know Hmm. the event has happened, you know, the day before the NBA finals or, you know, there was this Comic Con in your city, like bring that up. And, you know, over the years, honestly, I think I've fallen into that, that, you know, quote unquote geek persona now because I'm like oh guys like just without thinking like did you know comic-con was in Atlanta this weekend and like did you know <laughs> da, 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 stuff like that but mm-hmm. I had to learn to be vocal I was honestly at one point just going to work and working and doing what I needed to do and leave and being spoken when spoken to um mm. and it was like a one-on-one I had with my manager and he pointed it out and he was like, the team wants you to be vocal. And I was like, why? Like, what do we need to talk about? Mm-hmm. But I just had to realize like being more vocal and 
I give kudos to to the to the new the woman that was added on our team, but just seeing her, you know, being in Slack and just carrying on a lot of conversations and if it and even if it's not even work related, just being engaged, that's the word, engaged, what they always used to say engaged, made me want to be more engaged. And like when I brought that up to my mentor, um, shout out to my mentor Michelle, who is also my sponsor as well. Um, nice. I, Michelle always would tell me like, you got to play the part. And I was just like, but how, like, what am I supposed to do? And so, you know, just being vocal and, you know, extending the olive branch sometimes. So I think that was the, that was the two biggest things for me is overcoming imposter syndrome. Um, Cause we're, we're the first before anybody else will count us out. We'll count our own selves out first. Right. Um, yep. And then being vocal and expressing not only, engagement but what what things you want to see change because I mean I've seen things and I always say this to give people the benefit of the doubt but sometimes people just don't know when they do things right is in it's you know we say like oh they know they're being biased against us but I try to give people the the benefit of the doubt and say like maybe they don't know they're not aware so that's where being vocal comes in and you know maybe you you don't want to come off the wrong way, but I'm just bringing this awareness to you in case you don't know. And if you know and you're doing it, I'm just letting you know that I know you're doing it. <laughs> so that's that's been the two biggest things for me the last four years in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. And related to like being vocal, I think this also could be paraphrased as like just being more confident and like, right. you know, showing up like, bringing your authentic self to work. I think this is something I really struggled with initially. Like, yeah, I would be in meetings and, you know, the man in the room would be super confident, you know, about whatever they were talking about, whatever technical decisions they had decided on. And even if they were proven wrong later, you know, about their decision or what they were talking about, they were so confident when they were talking about it. And this is something I wasn't really used to and I don't feel like I had that confidence early on at the time and it's definitely something that I've had to build over time like just getting more and more confidence to like show up in the room say my part not feel like intimidated or timid you know like not play into that narrative um yeah that's been hard but I I also recognize the importance so it's interesting too like that you talked about like being vocal and then that also to like tie into that other phrase you use, play the part. I think that's interesting because some people have told me that, yeah, Francis, like you're, you're you told you play the part totally, like because you know <laughs> you, you you like all these geeky things and you know you um you like are always coding and you code outside of work too, like you're just obsessed with like your job and stuff, right? And it's like, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to play the part. I just I'm just trying to be myself. Like, why do I have to play into anything? Right. Like, I don't want to fall into any stereotype. Exactly. So, exactly. I think yeah. the hit on your point with that, um, just recently, so my job um, currently, they're really big on team building. So my IT department is, we're about 10, um, mm-hmm. 10 deep. So very small IT department. Um, so like not one person does one thing. We're kind of like, 
very much involved in a lot of things, a lot of areas. So infrastructure, dev, networking, security, kind of all, we're kind of all tied in all that. Um, So in order to do more team building, my manager suggested that um, we start doing like little team building exercises every month. So that was either last month or the month before last, we had one where the topic was show us what you're outside. Like, what do you do outside of work? And Mm -hmm. I knew mine was going to blow my colleagues away. (laughs) I don't talk about my personal life at work. I feel like, you know, that's my life. You know, um, you want to know what I do? Follow me on Instagram. Like, (laughs) but I keep keep work work. Right. And like I said earlier, I, I talk about stuff when I'm asked about it, but I just don't willingly express anything, you know, just out the blue. So I already knew what my colleagues were going to present because we did like a a PowerPoint slideshow with it and I already knew what they were going to present. You know, we have um, a guy who's obsessed with camping and we had a guy who's obsessed with hunting. We have a a gamer. She does gaming on the weekend and um, we had a cook. So it was just like very generic, like, you know, kind of the obvious of what everybody already talks about. And I never told my colleagues I do yoga every Every week outside of work. So I put up a picture um, on the PowerPoint of me in um, the Coachella Valley when I went to Coachella a few, uh, last year. And I did yoga poses. My friend took pictures of me doing yoga poses um, in the desert. And so I put up a picture and all you hear was like, oh, 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 oh. And it was so I had to put the phone on mute because I was laughing because they've <laughs> never seen me. They've never seen that side of me. So mm-hmm. I think it's always good to keep like a mystery to yourself and not give a lot out. So when they say like they play the, like you play the part, like it's kind of like we already know, or we're kind of already assuming what you're going to be like, like Francis is going to be the girl who, if we need her to do this code, she's going to do it on the weekend because she's already codes on the weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. But I felt like I wanted to keep like my personal life kind of, not so like hidden, but just like a mystery. So I won the the employee challenge that month, but I thought it was so funny that they were just like intrigued. And from that, the next day I get on Slack, the next morning, all of my colleagues are imitating the pose I did in the desert as a challenge <laughs> on in our <laughs> So I just think about things like that. Um, and that reassured me, like, you know, it's okay to keep parts of yourself to yourself and not really bring your whole self to work. Um, because that, that phrase always got me like, what is, like, what is, like, you're, you're bringing your whole self to work. So like, what am I taking from work and keeping to myself outside of work at the same time? Mm -hmm. So that's like, I, that's another thing. Like I side on both sides, like, yes, I want you to know about me and get to know me, but I still want to keep certain areas of my, of my life to myself. Mm -hmm. And it's actually like kind of fun too, if you do get to like, keep that sort of mystery and then you realize like after getting to know someone really well, like there's this whole other side of them that you had no idea about. Right. Like I think about my different coworkers and there's one in particular, hopefully he never hears this, but like, he'll tell me about his dating life and like, that's kind (laughs) of fun. And it's not like, I don't ever like, you know, think of him like dating other people, but it's like Mm -hmm. kind of fun to think about. And like, kind of fun to talk to him about that and like what he thinks about relationships and how that works and it's like completely unrelated to like the work that we do with projects and stuff (laughs) 
but it's like fun, you know, because right. uh, okay. he's single and I'm in a relationship and we like compare advice and stuff. Um, yeah. So that's kind of fun. But anyway, okay. <laughs> Moving on. I want to ask like, who inspires you? Like who's a woman who inspires you and why? My mom. Oh, I'm gonna cry. My mom. Um, <laughs> my mommy. So me and my mom have such a unique relationship. Um, she's literally my best friend and my biggest supporter. So we're, we're really unique because we have the same birthday. Um, yeah, we're, but we're two totally different people and my mom gets me a lot and she's like my calmness. Cause I, I am, I have, I look like my mother, but I have my dad's attitude. So that's totally (laughs) hilarious to me. And she tells me that all the time, like, Oh my God, you act just like your dad. So with her, in her knowing a lot of what she sacrificed for me to get to where I am um, mm-hmm. is is definitely her. So she she pushed me that last semester, um, like I was saying earlier, when um, my my professor, you know, I was having that. Yeah, he was giving I, you a hard time. I told my mom, I went home and told my mom, was like, listen, I'm changing my major, like my last semester of college. I was like, I'm changing my major. And my mom was like, absolutely not. Um, she knew I was feeling like super depressed and, you know, I was mm-hmm. going, getting like anxiety and a lot of things, my last, like when it's supposed to be like your happiest time of, you know, of your life, right. You're graduating, you're getting ready to go into real right. I was super depressed. You know, I was just like, I'm not going to graduate. You know, my press professor is telling me to change my major and, um, oh my God. like the most calm, like my mom does not flinch through anything. So always seeing her keep her calm and being, she's super like composed has always been something I strive, you know, to have. And we talk about peace all the time. And she's like, girl, I got peace about it. So like every time she tells me, I'm like, what does peace feel like? Like, and I always try to, you know, think of and take her advice in, in different areas. And she was like, peace is like having complete confidence that it's out of your control. Like it's good. You don't have to worry about it. And, you know, just over the time of her always telling me that, like, I finally found like peace in situations and things like that. So my mom is that for me. Um, And what I love now that, you know, how I'm, you know, in my career, she loves that I'm doing what I love and I'm passionate about. So she's rooting for me from afar in South Carolina. And she's just like, you know, she's retired now. So she's just like, can I come? And, you know, I love bringing her places, um, you know, awards when I get awards and get recognized for things. So um, she's definitely my shero. I bet she's so proud of you too. Like all the work that you're doing. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. Shout out to all the moms who are like cheerleaders, the parents in general who are like there to support you and like yell and <laughs> yell out loud I know. even if it embarrasses you like that's what my mom used to do um, <laughs> she, like when I was like I remember there was this honor ceremony when I was in middle school and I went up to the stage I was getting it you know I wasn't expecting anything but then I hear like this huge yelling and, and it's like it turns out it's my mom I'm like oh geez oh gosh that's- hope no one noticed that <laughs> no one noticed that but then it's like you know few like couple well a lot, a lot of years later, like, it's like, you know what, I really appreciate that. And like, right. not, not everyone does that. And it's like, 
if it makes me feel empowered now to know that she like will vocally support me Absolutely. like in a really huge loud way so that reminds me of my mom um so like I said I had to graduate I graduated through summer school um so I got my um degree like at the end of when I graduate when I finished that summer school course so it was like in July so I got my degree mm-hmm. in July so um I'm a I'm an only child so I told my mom I was like um yeah you know graduation passed it was two months before and my mom's like you know you walk in next year and I was like no <laughs> and she's like <laughs> I was like mom I, I already graduated like I have my degree she's like no 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 you're walking next year. And I was like, mom, that's dumb. Like I got my degree a year before. That'll be a whole nother class. And she was like, you're my only child. Just know as long as I'm living and (laughs) that degree has my name on it as well, you're walking. And I was so (laughs) adamant that I was not going back to walk the following year. And I ended up going back and walking my whole family, my friends was there. And it was the proudest moment of her life. And looking back at it now, I'm so glad I did it because, you know, she, that was like one of her proudest moments, just seeing, you know, the times that I struggled and didn't think I was going to make it. That was her victory, even though it was, you know, my moment, it was her victory at the same time. So, but yeah, my parents was like, no, you're, you're walking. So yeah, (laughs) that reminds me of my mom. Yeah, I should have been more cognizant about that when I was younger, because I would often like not want to necessarily opt in to some of these award mm-hmm. ceremonies, because, you know, you can just, you know, get the award without necessarily have to be there in person, and whatnot. But then, and I did that, I think once, and I didn't tell my mom about it. But then when I told her later, she was like, she was kind of sad. And I was like, Oh, you know, I didn't realize it was such a big deal for her. And like, you know, to what you said, like, it's not just a victory for me it's a victory for her too to like see your child like succeeding and surpassing and I think that's what every parent ultimately wants for their child is like to exceed them you know to to have a better life to do better you know all the things um yeah completely resonate with that so I want to be cognizant of time um we've been talking for an hour already um if you can believe it so one of the things that you mentioned before, you know, we started recording was you wanted to bring more awareness to how folks who don't identify as women of color can like help out. So how would you answer that question? Like how can a more privileged ally help out, whether it's like with what you're doing with the next big girl, whether it's at work, whether it's just in like a, you know, a passing moment, how can, what can they do to educate themselves better on the issues that we face as women of color in tech? Or, you know, what can they do in general? They can do, because they, they call themselves allies, right? And allies are basically, you know, there to support. They're like, you know, on the, on the sideline, you know, like, ready, tag me in. I'm like, I'm, I got you. Um, they can be cognizant of the struggles of people of color and more aware of the disparities that we face. I think Mm -hmm. um, non-people of color don't understand how people of color are really just getting started and just Mm -hmm. making an impact in the world. And, you know, it's just, it's not too long ago that, you know, segregation, you know, was ended and, you know, just different things like that. Like, just to think like, you know, that was 50, 60 years ago, right? So I just think about like, just being cognizant of equality, right? So it's more so of, if you see it's just one of us. And I think a lot of, on a more professional level, 
I think companies need to be aware of not doing the token person of color in departments. That's something I I dealt with um, before. And I think it's, okay, we found our one. It meets our numbers. We're good. But and then people of color also have to be cognizant of not being a gatekeeper and accepting that role as well. Um, I was at a conference earlier this year and um, I was at a diversity and inclusion talk. And what I loved about this diversity and inclusion talk, it was all people of color on the panel. Um, And their voices and their stories were all being told about, um, you know, the quote unquote gatekeepers they faced or they've been labeled as or, you know, they've known in the past. And one question a panelist asked us as fellow panelists, she said, how many of you all have um, opened the door for another person of color at your job? And that really like kind of stood and kind of hit me hard I was like "Ooh, at me (laughs) and so (laughs) oh and so she was like why not you know nobody raised their hand for one thing that so that was like oh yeah that was a blow to begin with and everybody's mutual answer was the work environment so it's like we want to open the door for fellow people of color fellow women of color you know males females whatever the case may be but Mm -hmm we don't want to bring them into a toxic environment that we don't like or we're trying to get out of at the same time. So I think it's managers and C-suite level and senior leaders being cognizant of the practices they have in place, HR, you know, not monitoring, you know, the token people they already have in place and HR being more diligent and um, looking more at technical skills than anything. Like, is this person going to be valuable to our company, right? So I think it's, it's the main thing I think non-people of color allies can be. They can be cognizant and um, bringing awareness to organizations, their uh, companies they work for, being present at people of color focused organizations, being at the forefront and supporting those organizations. Yes, it's great for you to be supportive from afar, like, oh, I support on Twitter, you know, hashtag, you know, whatever the case may be. (laughs) But are you supporting to a cause? Like there are so many nonprofits, you know, that are are similar to the next acre that are doing amazing things in local communities nationwide. When's the last time, if you have not volunteered, when's the last time you donated to that cause, right? When's the last time um, you volunteered to go into a school and teach technology concepts to an inner city school that doesn't even have technology curriculum? So I think about different things like that and and what what the meaning of an ally really is. You know, if you're saying you're a supporter, then you need to show up in support, whether that be financially, whether that be physically, whether that is going in and, you know, starting um, employee resource groups for people who are being marginalized in companies as well. So um, I think it's, it's, it's a list that can be listed. But I think <laughs> those, are, those are the top three things, just being cognizant and, you know, being aware. And once they have identified a certain issue, okay, what is the solution that you're willing to do as an individual to say, I've I've done my part as an ally? A big plus to everything that was said. And I really like how you also kind of had a call to action for people of color too, like to not settle 
in the like playing the part of tokenism right like if you're the only person of color like maybe recognize that bring it up but like don't settle and just like be comfortable in that position because no one should have to be comfortable in that position. Nobody. It's not a good position to be in. No. Mm-mm. And I, I completely agree with like kind of paying it forward. Like what are you doing, you know, to like pay it forward, like with all this expertise that you have and like being someone that others can look up to. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, okay. So I want to just, you know, keep trying to, well, actually, hold on. Let me think about this. Because hmm. we're already at an hour. And so oh. <laughs> no, no, no. So I, I'm just trying to think. Uh, let me, th- okay. So last question before we get into our mini takeaways. Do you have any call to actions that you want to share related to anything that we've talked about for mm-hmm. our listeners? So I will do a plug for my nonprofit. Um, yes, by all means. You are in the Indianapolis, Atlanta, or Charleston area. Go to our website, www.thenextitgirl.org, and support us. Um, my call to action, same. Donate um, to help girls of color in local communities get access to tech resources. Um, And even if you're not located in any of those areas, um, my ultimate goal is to be completely nationwide. These are just areas that I've been exposed to um, and that I thought would benefit from a chapter being planted in that community. So I would love to be um, ultimately nationwide. Um, So reach out to us at thenextitgirl.org and support us in any way between donating to our cause, volunteerism, um, becoming a sponsor or a partner, we would greatly appreciate it. Awesome. And I'll definitely include that link in the episode notes. So moving on to the mini takeaways, what is a useful app or platform that has helped you grow in your career? And remember, these are meant to be short answers because I want to be able to like tweet them, put them on Instagram, et cetera. Useful Apple platforms. So my favorites right now are Udemy and Pluralsight. Um, Great learning platforms. So recently, um, like I mentioned earlier, I've been having to do a lot of self-studying in order to um, keep up with the trends and what's latest in technology. Um, Mm -hmm. For one, to move up career-wise and also to kind of spread the word to other people trying to make their way into tech as well. I love Udemy because Udemy is very cost-friendly and they always have a sale. Yes, for a sale. Um, (laughs) So I tell people never pay, and I hope Udemy is not listening and they're going to get me, but never (laughs) pay full price for Udemy. They, They are always running a sale. Um, And I think that is the perfect place for you to get a start in learning specific areas of tech. And you know what? Udemy is not even just tech focused. It is every type of industry. I mean, you can learn about Mm -hmm. biology, fashion, just hair care, all kinds of stuff is on Udemy. It's amazing. But I think before you really invest money into saying, hey, you know, I want to do a tech career, whatever the case may be, go on Udemy and just kind of research, you know, what area of tech you want to be in or, you know, just learn the fundamentals of that area of interest. And it's like eight or nine dollars for a course. Most of the time, me previously, I've gone on Udemy and prepped for certifications and bought like a whole like $20 worth of courses and was able to take a certification. So it's been amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's, wow. I love Udemy. Um, I've, I've recommended Udemy to so many people. 
Um, and Pluralsight. I love Pluralsight. My job actually provides Pluralsight to us. Pluralsight is more on the expensive side. Um, and I think Pluralsight is more university focused. It's, it reminds me of college <laughs> a lot. Oh, gotcha. like, and when I took like an online course and you have that monotone professor a little bit. Um, so plural side is a little bit reminds me of that, but it's so in depth. It'll literally walk you through like anything, but it's very detailed. I really like plural site. It's a little bit on the costly side, but like I said, my job provides that to us um, as employees. But if you know if you're willing to take the splurge, I would definitely do plural site as well. Yeah, plus one on Udemy. And I have used Pluralsight in the past because my job provided it as right. well, like through free <laughs> subscription. I didn't like it that much, though, to be yeah. honest. Like, it was just like, eh, yeah. too much effort. Yeah. Tim, I love, <laughs> but, you know, pick, pros and cons. Yeah, if I could pick between the two, um, I would do Udemy. And like I said, I use Pluralsight because it's free to us. Yeah, no, for sure. I did like that part, you know, it being free and all. Um, <laughs> okay, next question. What does the term cloud computing mean to you? Cloud computing, it, it is my favorite. Um, I love cloud computing. I was first introduced to cloud computing back in like 2012, 2013. And this is when Salesforce kind of first was getting to be big. And I was introduced to cloud computing through an internship. Um, his name is Clifford Smith. And Clifford just passed away yesterday. So rest in peace to Clifford. Aww. Clifford gave me my first internship um, in college. Mm -hmm. and Clifford ran a construction company and was looking for a technical um, analyst to hire as an intern and mm -hmm. move everything in-house to cloud. So I got my first taste of migration from in-house to cloud storage. So cloud computing to me means a practice where data is not stored locally um, and physically. So like locally, like on your computer to where it's accessible um, mm -hmm. and can easily, easily be erased, you know, if your hard drive crashes, anything like that. Or, you know, if it's a, a company that's storing record, years of records, like in a file cabinet in the corner. Um, but instead, it's spread out among, um, you know, a number of remote servers in the cloud, you know, and it's accessible through the Internet. So I love platforms such as Microsoft Azure, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud Platform. And those are just auto, like just that that's the wave technology is going. A lot of businesses are going to cloud computing. And I just love the industry. Um, that's kind of my area of expertise now. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, cloud computing, if you have that skill set, it's just like a big, like marketable skill to have. I yes, think. So, absolutely. So really positive. And it's so beneficial um, to even if you go to a company who's not utilizing yet, it is a plus for you to be able to present that to them in order to, you know, invest in that, you know, talk about the cost analysis, the scale, the speed, the productivity from it. So, yeah, it's cool. And like the next useful takeaway question, what is an organization or affinity group that you would recommend joining? I know you mentioned the next girl already, of course. <laughs> what other ones would you recommend? So I'll talk about some of the ones I've been a part of um, that have been really beneficial to me. Um, one was Nesby. Um, I was a part of the Nesby professional chapter in Indianapolis, um, and I was the vice president there for a year. Uh, what I love, oh, wow. what I loved about Nesby is 
it's National Society of Black Engineers, but mm-hmm. they focus also on the technology side as well. Um, and one thing I loved about it is the community of being amongst other professionals. And I know they have collegiate levels as well, but being amongst other people who resonate with the same struggles that you've gone through. So I love, mm-hmm. and like even my network of friends now and just being able to talk to them, like, would you believe Tommy did this at work and he um, <laughs> deleted a server, da, 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 and we had to stay. And I just love that, that, you know, they understood, like, I can't go to, you know, my friend who's in the um, the beauty industry and, you know, tell her or resonate with that. Um, right. So I love that the community that Nesby had and they gave to to professionals that were looking for, for just somebody they could relate to. So Nesby is a great organization. Women Who Code is really big. I started getting involved in Women Who Code when I moved to Atlanta. Um, they mm-hmm. have a great chapter here and, you know, they're kind of all across the country as well. Um, I think that's another kind of similar, um, but resonating with um, the same gender. Um, so that that's a, another area where you can be like, you know, talking about the men at work, you know, just different <laughs> that we talk about as women and, you know, equality um, of the sexes and different things like that. And one thing that really has helped me a lot, I have my introvert and extrovert moments. So like, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, I need to be social today, tomorrow and Thursday. And then I'm like completely off the grid for the rest of the week. But um, going to meetups was really helpful for me in growing my network and finding my tribe. Um, So meetup.com, when I first moved to Indianapolis, was super helpful. Um, I found some of my lifelong friends off of going to a meetup I found on um, on meetup.com. So um, that really helped me. And then co-working spaces as well. I think that that wave, how they just kind of popped up within like the last three to four years has been amazing. You know, they're everywhere. You can't get away from them now. And one thing I like about co-working spaces is the different industries that are all wrapped under one roof at co-working spaces. So I think those are, those would be my, my top four, I would say joining. Yeah. I've heard a lot of uh, positive things about Nesby Mm -hmm. um, from black software engineers that I know. And then for meetups, uh, that's actually like one thing that I used too when I was like really early in uh, my tech career. One of the first meetup groups that I joined was Norfolk JS, which was like Norfolk JavaScript because I'm from Norfolk, Virginia. And um, so yeah, completely resonate. That's awesome. All right. Final question of this podcast episode. Where do you live online? Or how can people reach out to you? I live on my favorite platform, Instagram. You can <laughs> follow me on Instagram at itgirlnoppy. Um, mm-hmm. And I also, I dibble and dabble with Twitter. I am more of a visual person. So I, I kind of like Instagram right. a little bit more. Um, Twitter, I'll kind of like scan for like the latest in news, but I'm on Twitter as well. So Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. Okay, awesome. And I'll include all those links, of course, also in the episode notes. But yeah, thanks to Pia. I really appreciate you being on the podcast and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, Francis, for having me.